0: What a blessing it is to be in the place of worship among the people who worship and to be uh, engaging in the spirit of worship, amen? We've been in a study that I've called Welcome Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you, if you did not get uh, a bulletin as you came in with notes, it would be a really good thing because uh, there are a lot of things that you'll wanna take home and put away uh, that are in those notes and that you'll want to follow along. It's a little bit of a different part in our study. When we begin to study the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it can look a little bit like this. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? And, and so tonight, we don't want you to be overwhelmed, but it is, it is a lot like drinking from a fire hose. And uh, what we really want is instead of that overwhelming sense what we would like is uh, that we begin to see the big picture. So we're looking at big picture uh, this weekend as we, as we study together. Uh, there's a whole bunch of gifts. And if you've, if you've already looked ahead a little bit, wow, you're wondering how long are we gonna be here? Will we be here till tomorrow? Uh, we won't be here till tomorrow, but <clears throat> well, I'll be back tomorrow and you're welcome. But we are, are not responsible for all of the gifts, but we need to know about all of the gifts. We need to know about them. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. We we only uh, really need to know a whole lot about the gifts that God is choosing to manifest in us for the body of Christ. We talked about that last weekend. That's what happens with, with the manifestation of the Spirit and the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. I was thinking about it this afternoon, And I thought it's a little bit like when I've been in a stage play or a musical, I don't have to know all the lines. I do have to know my lines, but I do need to know about all of the lines. One of the things that I do first is get a pick a feel for the whole big picture. And that's what we're doing on this weekend. Paul wrote about gifts of the spirit to three different churches. Primarily, and that's really our source uh, for uh, virtually everything. I mean, Jesus uh, told us about Holy Spirit a lot about Holy Spirit, but basically, when we start talking about the gifts of the Spirit, these are our manifestations that started to happen uh, soon after Jesus ascended uh, at the time of the Pentecost, and we began to see these these gifts that uh, that were shown. So the the churches were the church at Rome. And we're going to read from a passage uh, from the church, uh, the letter to the church at Rome. Uh, Paul never visited Rome until he was in prison there. So he, it's a little bit different. He doesn't know these people really, really well. He knows that they are believers and that they've been out there and he's had some communication with them. He always wanted to go to Rome. He finally got there and it was in a prison cell. Uh, another significant amount is written to the church at Corinth. And uh, Paul planted that church, but he left after 18 months. Uh, It's often considered to be one of the most troubled churches in all history. Uh, There was all kinds of difficult stuff going on there. There was immorality going on. There was difficulty with the gifts of the Spirit. It was a mix of Jewish and Gentile believers. They were struggling with all of that. And then the church at Ephesus. Couldn't have been more different. Church at Ephesus, if you remember when we studied that church, was... The place of the greatest revival that had ever happened since Pentecost itself. The outpouring in Ephesus was overwhelming. I mean, the gifts of the Spirit. We, I mean, there aren't even names for some of the manifestations of the Spirit that were going on there. Uh, Paul was walking around and people were trying to get in his shadow so they'd be healed because they just managed to get in his shadow. And he was going around and, and and they said, well, we don't know how to meet all the needs here. So uh, here's here's a, a scrap of the apron that, that Paul had. And, and they began to take that around and heal people. It was uh, what really created this uh, tremendous outgrowth from Ephesus. He wasn't there very long, maybe about three years. But it was this uh, amazing place. All three of those churches, very, very different. And so Paul wrote about the gifts to each one a little bit differently. Now, why is it important to do what we're doing this weekend? Usually we study what we call expository teaching. We go through a book of the Bible. So when we're in Rome, uh, we're in the book of Romans, we're going to see, oh, maybe about seven of these. And when we're in Corinthians, we'll see a bunch more. And when we're in Ephesians, we'll see a bunch more. But we don't see them all together. And that's what we're trying to do at this point in our study. We get a little different list from each one. And the gifts that were manifested, they were being manifested to build uh, these churches in specific ways. One of the things about gifts of the Holy Spirit. I was studying this and I thought... Really I mean it's a good question. I don't really know the answer. Could there be more spiritual gifts that we don 't even know about? because they're needed at a specific time or they're needed in a specific church setting. That's very, very possible, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that uh, near the end of our study. Uh, but the letters uh, are at different times. Uh, the letter to Corinth was in 53 Rome was in fifty five. Uh, and then uh, Ephesians was written while Paul was in prison in Rome in about sixty, about five, six, seven years later. So this is a span of time. Uh, I think that there was just so much happening, and there was more and more that was being discerned that was going on, and Paul was responding to those things. So I want to read to you a passage actually passages of scripture uh, that are uh, that are from these different books, so that we hear as if it was one teaching this different listing. So I invite you to give all of your attention uh, to God's word among us. I always think of it as God speaking uh, in our midst. And let's hear what the word of God has to say about spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ. According to the grace that the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the works of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Then verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And then from Ephesians. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now let's stand and let's pray. Father God, I pray that we might have the big view, the big picture And not feel like we're overwhelmed, like drinking from a fire hose. Reveal to each one of us what we need, what we need to know, what we need to hear, what we need to apply, what we need to seek. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Out of those passages of scripture, I just wanted to start by lifting out four Basic principles. This isn't everything. We've already talked about some basic principles concerning uh, spiritual gifts. But there are four things that were in here that I think are really important. Uh, And one is that the gifts of the spirit are for the common good. We hear that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They are given for the common good. They're given for the body. They're given for the church. They're not given to the individual. We don't walk around saying, I've got this gift. Don't you wish you had what I have? Um. And in fact, our scripture spoke very much against that. God has appointed leaders who carry spiritual gifts. So when we look at a leader, when we uh, seek leaders, when we appoint leaders, when we ordain leaders in the church, uh, they are people who are gifted for that sort of leadership for uh, that kind of ministry. It's not just, well, we think they look good or they, they, look, they remind us of someone we once knew or something like that. The third, and it relates to the, what I was saying a moment ago, is that the gifts of the Spirit should humble us, not puff us up. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, uh, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, uh, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. In other words, God assigns a measure of faith, not, not all of the faith that's anywhere or everywhere. God uh, assigns and apportions grace, the scripture says. So we, we want to understand that everybody's not going to be the same. Maybe it's, that's the biggest thing for us to get. And that the purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up the body of Christ. We talked about that the last couple of weeks. So this combined list is, uh, that I'm going to lift to you is a whopping 28 gifts. Wow. Say wow. Wow. And, you know, I talk to people and uh, some people will say, well, I was raised in this tradition and there's only seven gifts. I was raised in this tradition and there's only nine gifts. I was raised in this tradition and there's 15 gifts or there's 20 gifts. So where do you come up with 28, Pastor Jeff? I'm gonna show you. Um, And so we wanna start going through these without the repetition and talk about each one a little bit. If you're getting scared, anybody scared? Okay, good, I'm glad. I'm a little scared. (laughs) At the end is a a set of definitions. It's almost like a glossary. Uh, It's not exhaustive. What we're doing this weekend is not exhaustive. But you'll find kind of a working definition for these different gifts. If you think, well, what is that? Or I wonder if I might have that. Or I wonder if God might be manifesting that. Or I may have seen that. It's a good kind of thing. I, I hope you'll hang on to this. So in that first set of, in Romans chapter 12, we have first prophecy. And these aren't in an order of importance here, but prophecy, the best understanding that I find with, with different uh, interpreters is that it really is inspired utterance. It means an utterance or a word or a statement that, that God is, is bringing about. Uh, there's an anointing. Uh, many, um, would refer to this in terms of preaching uh, and uh, or more forth proclamation. It's not necessarily foretelling. Sometimes uh, prophecy, and we were hearing about the uh, prophet Samuel as a little boy, was foretelling some things. God told him some things to tell Eli, these are some things that are going to come about, and you need to listen to this. Sometimes prophecy uh, functions in that way. Most of the time, for us, it is a proclamation, um, and I'll I'll make a distinction in, in a moment. It's interesting that the second thing that's listed here is service, serving. It, it's not one of the big flashy ones. In fact, the word is diaconos. It literally means waiting tables. One of the top things that that the apostle Paul wrote uh, to this church uh, in Rome way way back was uh, that high on the list is is serving one another. Uh, one of the highest things that people around here, Paul would walk in and say, oh, you have a a ministry, a food ministry, and the people that are working in that, loving and praying with the people that come for food, that is high on the list because it's distributing resources. Teaching is the next one. And teaching... I would define as clearly interpreting by, by the Spirit and, in, and communicating the truth of Scripture, rightly dividing the word of, of truth, the word of Scripture. Now, how is prophecy different from prophecy? You know it when you hear it. Many times I've been around a teacher who is teaching, and this is clear, this is very, very clear, and, and I, I think that's been good, that's been good, and all of a sudden there's a corner that is turned. Where we would say he went from preaching to teaching. Or she began to interpret in a way that was anointed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That there's an anointed point in teaching uh, that becomes prophetic. That's a difference. Exhortation is an utterance that stimulates faith. Uh, it's often uh, a, an utterance that, that calls forth a gifting and encourages those who are downcast, those who are, are, are dragging, those who are having a difficult time. So it, it can be a gift of encouragement. It can be one-on-one exhortation. It can be as simple as, uh, as, you know what, God is not done and he has something for you. It can be as simple as that. But it could be an exhortation that says, God is calling this church, God is calling this group, God is calling our class to something bigger and and, and more vast than what you have uh, been doing before this. That's an exhortation, contribution or giving. All this takes some contribution or giving. And uh, some people are really shaped or it's manifested in them that they will be a conduit of financial blessing. I don't know if you've known people like this, often it happens quietly, often you don't know what's going on, but God is supplying the needs of a ministry, the needs of a person in ways you don't see, uh, and and that's being opened up. And, And the amazing thing is that the more that that is exercised, then the more the flow begins to happen. Uh, I've known people that God began to work in them. And they said, you know, when I talked to them very privately, they said, I, I believe God's going to give a million dollars through me. I'm like, whoa. And, and over time, that happened over time. And it's because of just saying, you know what? The most important things are kingdom things. Now, s- some people who have a gift of contribution or giving, they also have a gift of making money. I, I don't know how else to say it. But I don't know if you've been around people that everything they touch, everything they touch seems to turn to gold in some manner or another. And so they're able to give, and they just that's their gifting. And they're not going to be in front. They're not going to be talking about it uh, necessarily, but they're going to be giving. Leadership is, is seeking and articulating the vision of God. There are inspired leaders among us, and they are people who, uh, it says, lead with zeal. That means they they bring an encouragement and an excitement to say, God is doing something, let's get on board. And they're able to gather people around them. Now, these gifts, they all work together. Uh, the, The last one in the Romans list is mercy. And that's simply an empathy or even sympathy that comforts the sorrowing. And shows kindness to people. That is able to listen to the hurt and the heart that is in a person. Uh, You probably, I, I hope that you can think of people who have these gifts. Because these are very powerful how they work together. Not everyone has the gift of mercy. We should all be merciful. But some people have mercy. And I don't know how they have that much mercy. Holy Spirit. It's a gifting that they have. The, the list in 1 Corinthians 12 um, adds 11 more to the list. Now, we're not duplicating, so th- these are 11 more. Um, and these are a little different. Some of these are, are more of what we would think of as sort of the supernatural gifts. I believe they're all supernatural. Um, one is, uh, the, the first one listed uh, that's, that's not a duplication is word of wisdom. What is that? It can just be that person who is wise and they have advice that you have somebody that you would go to. I don't know what to do. And you go to this person because you know you will find wise counsel. That's a gift of a word of wisdom. Word of wisdom can also be a divinely revealed wisdom in a situation. You know, there are a number of times when our board just has to stop. We don't know what to do. We have a number, we have maybe a, a, a kind of a conundrum or a difficult decision to make. And so we stop, and it's not just to say, well, we'll table that for a month or something like that. It's to say, we're going to pray for wisdom. We're going to pray for, and so, many times, someone will, will bring or speak a word of wisdom that helps us to understand. God has given me words of wisdom. And I'll tell you, they often come in the middle of the night. I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but there's some problem going on. I don't know what to do. I can't figure out how to solve it. And then in the middle of the night, I wake up. Oh, and God gives me the word for that situation, the answer for that situation. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm the wisest man around. That doesn't mean that I walk around. By the way, I have the word of wisdom. You should line up here at the end of the service. Okay. Okay. The word of wisdom is given to the church. It's a manifestation for the body, and it may manifest itself in you one time, or it may manifest itself in you a hundred times. Word of knowledge is similar, um, but a little bit different. Now, many interpreters uh, view word of knowledge or knowledge as studying and understanding knowledge, facts. I love to study. I hope I have that gift. I love to study. I love to know what was going on. I love to know about the terrain. I love to know about the culture and the, and the geopolitical stuff that was going on. Because I think it really helps me to get a grip on the scripture and the scripture to get a grip on me. But word of knowledge can also be a divinely revealed knowledge. Something you could not have known except... The Spirit revealed it to you. I've had that happen. It's not a real common thing. But I've been sometimes in a situation or a counseling uh, situation where God made it clear who was lying. Who, who, and what was really going on here. And sometimes God does that because it solves a problem. I mean, it, it opens up a direction where repentance can happen. I'll say also that it's not that I walk around with word of knowledge. You don't have to worry. Pastor Jeff's going to tell me stuff. Okay. But because I've looked back sometimes and thought, why didn't I have a word of knowledge about that? Because I didn't know what was really going on. And I have to just trust, well, I guess either I wasn't listening or God knew I didn't need to know that at that time. Faith. Is applying an unusual measure of faith when needed. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation. Where you just looked at someone and said. I do not know how you are doing this. I don't know how you have faith right now. With what's going on and what's been going on. And God gives faith in that situation. It can be for believing for something really, really huge or a miracle that no one believes can possibly happen. But God gives, and we all have to have faith. We're saved by faith, and faith comes by the word. But there's a measure of faith to all of us, but this is a gift of faith. Sometimes there are people that just, they are gifted, it's manifested in them that they can believe for big, big things. Uh, that that are hard for other people to to believe in or to trust for. Healing is a function uh, uh, as a conduit of God's healing grace. Uh, it's not that the healing is is in the fingers of this person who's walking around. Uh, now there are some people that I've known that th- God manifests this on a regular basis in a person. Okay. But there are people um, and situations uh, where healing comes about. Uh, I've prayed at times for people and I was just amazed myself. I trusted and trusted, but God healed in a situation in a miraculous way. Something that could not have been anything else. Sometimes it's relational healing. Sometimes it's emotional healing. Uh, I know of, of relationships that have been healed that Everyone would have said, no, that's, that's never going to happen. But God uh, is so good to bring healing. There's spiritual healing. All of this, it's I think, often manifested in a really good biblical counselor who can work with someone and help to bring healing into that situation. Miracles, uh, that's again functioning uh, in, in a way that God manifests great deeds that are beyond the natural. Now, I have a funny view of miracles. I've got an orchid that's in our kitchen that I think is a miracle. (laughs) Mainly because I tend to kill almost everything. But it's also that it's so beautiful. And I just, I stop almost once a day and just say, that is so beautiful. And I happen to know I could not make that. That makes it a miracle. It's something that only God could do. Um, But we're talking about those times, sometimes they're really, really big, sometimes these are related to uh, exorcism and things like that, but big, big miracles, things that are beyond, Uh, sometimes it can be a, 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 a financial thing, a breakthrough that no one thought could happen, miracles. The discerning of spirits is a really important one. This is the discrimination of spiritual forces or motivating factors. It's the ability to be in a situation and have uh, and discern: is this of the Lord, or is this of human humanity, or is this of God, or or is this of Satan? To, to know the difference, because there are things that often we can even look at some of the manifestations and wonder. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience to be in a place where the teaching is going on and you just, it's something in you, there's a discernment that there's something that's not right here. Discernment is so critically important. But also, uh, discernment is going to go along with uh, some of the other things that, like, like, um, uh, deliverance, because you have to discern what the spirit is and and what's happening there. Now we get to um, tongues, and this is there are two kinds of tongues. We could have put this up here twice, but uh, in Acts chapter two, uh, they spoke in languages, tongues, just as a means languages. Um, they spoke in languages that they had never learned. Um, there are, I think, thirteen different languages in the list. Uh, That all of a sudden, can you imagine if you, all of a sudden we were in a setting and you began to speak Russian or you began to speak Swahili. I've never studied Swahili, but I'm speaking it and there's a person who's hearing in Swahili and confirming that they're hearing the gospel in Swahili. That's what happened. And we say, well, that was a long time ago. That only happened then. No, I've read of missionary situations where people manifested a gift where they spoke a language that they did not know they had never known before. Uh, one of our missionaries, Mike Black, uh, he was called to Guatemala, wow, 35 years ago. And he did not know Spanish. And he wasn't really a book study of Spanish. And he, uh, and I remember him telling me after about 10 years there, he said, I'm praying for the gift of Spanish. He said, They tell me all the time, it's nice to hear you talk through an interpreter. But if you would speak our language, it will make so much difference. And that's not easy. Some of you Spanish people will know there's all kinds of nuances and idiomatic expressions that are not easy, and you can kind of always tell where they messed up. And I'll tell you that today, Mike Black speaks beautiful, uh, preaches. He preaches, I want to preach Spanish, and he preaches in Spanish, it's marvelous. So that's one kind of tongues. Another kind of tongues is an unknown language. We sometimes call it uh, a prayer language or the language of heaven. And so it is something that is given to people in their prayer life. Now, some people I talk to, they will say, I grew up with this. It was as common as turning on the radio to hear people speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. I've talked to other people that their eyes get really big. And they say, I've never heard of such a thing. I grew up with liturgy and things like that. And so we come from different places. But this is in our Bible. It's a, it's a, a gift that is there. And God is the one who chooses uh, the giving of those gifts. Uh, there is a gift of interpretation of tongues. that's listed. And actually in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, it's it's. Basically required, if someone speaks in uh, an unknown tongue, an unknown language, in a public setting, there is to be an interpretation. Uh, Otherwise, it distracts from the gospel. Uh, And and Paul says that. He says that this is is not for uh, public, uh, this is not for the sort of situation where people go, they're crazy in there. That's not the purpose of tongues. There's a gift of apostle or apostleship. This is an amazing one because it's the gift of being able to carry the gospel to a different culture. We call Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. It was huge for him. He was so deeply steeped in Judaism. It was hard, but God called him and said, I want the Gentiles to believe and you're the one to do it. You were raised as a Roman citizen. You have all these things that I've been working on in you. You're going to carry... Uh, the gospel into this different culture. Now, that's an amazing gift. We often see it in missionaries, people who can go to a completely different culture and then begin to hear that culture, learn that language, learn those ways, and then communicate the gospel into that setting, into that situation. I'll also say that we see it much closer to home. How many of you know we have some different cultures in our setting in the United States of America? Nod your head like that. There's a lot of different cultures, you know. One of the things that I've noticed over the years is that the culture of youth is often different. Anybody with me? Yeah. How many of you would say really different? Yeah. And and one of the things I've observed in Pastor Anne is the is the gifting of apostleship, the ability to carry the gospel into this different culture. And I'll tell you, I mean, maybe God will give it to me sometime, but many times I do not have it. What, what do I mean by that? I, I've watched Pastor Ann uh, many times when she will, uh, I've seen like uh, a young man that's very, very rebellious and everything says rebellion and he's got a shirt on that's vulgar and horrible. And I just wouldn't know what to do with that person. And I've watched Pastor Ann come alongside and begin to talk and smile. And begin to speak and invite. And begin to open conversation. And begin to build a bridge. And it's not long before I see her, in all the right ways, put her hand on his shoulder like a mom would. And I see this kid coming to life like, I want What's here, that is apostleship. Not all of us have it, amen? But it's very, very powerful to see that and, and, and see that manifested and pray for that to be manifested. There's helps are helping. And I love this one because uh, there are lots of people that serve, but I think helps is that I've noticed it in people. There are people who, they, they don't go around looking for things, But they notice things and they'll see something that needs help. They'll see a situation that needs aid and they'll go. They just go and do it. They don't necessarily even ask. Sometimes they'll ask, do you need some help? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But helps is so powerful because it can be in the most mundane of of ways and the most mundane of things that we might not necessarily think of is to come in and help. Serving and helping are so powerful In the body of Christ. And we need to look for those situations. Administration is the ability to organize those folks who have the gift of helps. And the gifts of of serving and all of these other gifts. Administration is the ability to organize a task and bring others together in ministry. Aren't you glad we're up to 18? Say praise God. Ephesians chapter 4 has several but there are two that are there without repeating any of the above. Evangelists, some are given to be evangelist, and that is uh, communication of the gospel um, that calls the lost to salvation. But it can also be the teaching, the equipping. It's not just, I'm the evangelist up front, but equipping others. That whole set in, in Ephesians is about equipping the body of Christ. And then pastor is listed here. Uh, And pastor, you say, what is a pastor? We have a lot of different ideas. Maybe it's this person we thought of from a long time ago or someone we really liked. But a pastor is a shepherd, so it means leading and caring, shepherding uh, God's people toward his vision. Oftentimes, shepherding means protecting. A shepherd would protect the flock. So sometimes it means saying, this is not going to happen. Why? Why? Because I'm protecting the flock. Or this person is not going to be asked to lead because I'm, I'm, I'm called upon to protect the flock. And often with our board, uh, I have said, you need to trust me. I'm your pastor. You need to trust me. I won't tell you all the reasons, but sometimes you just got to trust me. But pastor is often linked with teacher, pastor, teacher. And so that oftentimes that's the title, you know, is pastor-teacher of the church. Those seem to go together. But there are some other special gifts, and I told you last week they're all special, other special gifts that are found in the New Testament. And one is celibacy. And you might say, oh, wow, that's an interesting one. But that is the call and choice to remain holy ...and not marry, to be celibate and not married. We hear it often in relation to the Catholic Church, the vow of celibacy... ...that actually came, you know, years and years, centuries later. Uh, but celibacy, uh, I've seen it often in missionaries who say, I'm called to, give, to be married to the gospel. And, and so that's, that's what God has called them to. And to walk and to live in holiness... I've also known some, I've known some over the years who they struggled and struggled with same-sex attraction, and God finally led them to celibacy, a commitment of celibacy. I want to walk in holiness. God hasn't healed this, but I want to walk in holiness, and so I'm going to walk in holiness. I'm going to be celibate. There's also voluntary poverty. Paul talks about this in the 13th chapter. Um, the call and choice to give up possessions. Some people are called to give up everything, just turn loose of everything, and absolutely trust God for everything. It may be a missionary, it might be a person in ministry, uh, but that would be a call and it would be a gifting. Martyrdom uh, is a call and a choice, it's a gift. Uh, to give one's mortal life for the gospel. We hear about it sometimes most often on the mission field. But it's it's that place where you know we sometimes ask the question, if they said, Will you renounce Jesus or die, what will your choice be? Or put yourself in harm's way in a way that takes your mortal life. Missionary is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 3, and how is that different? But it's it's a calling. Um, and and then to be sent, it's a gifting to be sent. Missionary is from Miseo, it just simply means to be a sent one like a missile. And finally, uh, in, in that listing is hospitality. Hospitality is such a cool one because it means creating a warm and welcoming environment. It might be in your home. It might be that you have a gift of hospitality and you gather people in your home and you say, we're going to do a study, we're going to watch a video, we're going to study together. And it's just this ability to create a warm uh, situation. But also in the church. Uh, I mean, so, so great is the need that when people come into church that they feel warmly welcomed. And some people are just really good at this. I could give you a list of people that are really great at being out front. They're really great at welcoming people. They're really good at spotting folks that haven't been around before and just saying, hi, uh, what's your name? I'd like to get to know you. Can I help you find your way? Uh, Can I help you find your way in? You know, I'm a first-timer, yes. And just welcoming people in. I notice that oftentimes in study groups and home groups, And and our Sunday school classes. Often there's a person gifted as a teacher. And there's a person uh, that's gifted in in, uh, shepherding. And there's also a person that's gifted in hospitality. It might be the same person. But they're able to welcome people. Make them feel welcomed. And reach out to them. And and help them to, to be engaged. Now there's a couple of others that I found. That I hadn't really thought about that much before. But they really make sense. They're not explicitly mentioned in the Bible. I'm not trying to add to the Bible, but I think these are combinations of the ones that we've already been talking about. One is intercession. As I've been around intercessors, I've seen there is a gifting there. There is an anointing there. There is a calling there. And I think it's a combination of discerning and uh, mercy and maybe prayer language. But these are people who uh, engaging in hours of prayer is nothing to them. And they want to intercede on behalf of the body of Christ. These are so very important. Uh, These sorts of of people, uh, these these giftings. Um, Another is deliverance. And that is the um, ability or the gifting to be able to cast a demon out or, or, or bring deliverance to a person who is either demon-possessed or uh, demon-tortured. And it's again, a combination of discerning and mercy and faith, great faith. Um, I'll tell you that I have cast demons out of people. Uh, And the first time that I did that, I uh, I was in seminary at the time and there was a young man in our youth group and he all of a sudden began to act very, very strange and speak in very, very strange ways. And I called his mother, I said, I think you need to come and get this, get your son. Uh, And he was a big guy. He was on the football team. I don't know how much he benched. He was a great big guy. And I remember uh, getting in the back of the car with him and his mother's in the front, just looking in the, uh, we were going to take him to the hospital. And all of a sudden he started talking with the voice of a demon. And he began to talk about, I know who you are and you don't have any power in this and that and all this sort of thing. And and so you say, what do you do in that situation? And I'll tell you what I did. I just, uh, all you can do is kind of run the tapes back and go in the name of Jesus, you have no authority here. You get out and down in Jesus name. And he settled down. I, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> Is that cool or, I mean, I didn't say is that cool or what. But I think his mom was, she's looking in the rearview mirror going, oh, praise God. You know, I know that she was praying and praying and praying there. Um, It's not very often, but there are situations and they may occur more on the mission field. I'll be honest with you, that kind of experience will build a believer's faith more than anything. I don't think the enemy wants to do it very often. Because it built my faith, I went into my seminary class and reported it. I, I went, I wrote, I did a write up on it. I didn't know what they're going to say. <laughs> You've gone nuts, boy, <laughs> you know. But my my supervisor, he said uh, he said you did exactly the right thing. He was an old Presbyterian, but he said you did exactly the right thing. Leading worship, I've seen this more and more, and there are more and more thinkers that are. Are talking about this? Uh, there's a there's something different from a a worship leader who's gifted as a worship leader, and a Christian who is a really good singer. There's a difference. We talked about that last week between a talent. You can be very talented, and there's a difference between somehow being sensitive to the spirit. And to the people, and what's going on in the room, and leading the people into the presence of the Lord. Uh, I think it's a combination of pastor. That's why we talk. We we call Pastor Mike pastor, uh, but it's the it's the shepherding of this ministry that's not behind me right now. But they, but they are here. We 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 are blessed by them. Uh, there's teaching to be able to teach people what worship is. Uh, it's exhortation, which means an encouragement. It's not barking at people that they're not singing enough. It's, it's, it's encouraging and coaching people. Administration, a huge amount of what um, is done up here by the leaders is administration of uh, musical talents. Now, if, if I were to group these um, and not neatly, I would group them into three groups. Um, gifts that serve the message, gifts that serve the ministry, and gifts that serve the church. All of those those three are, are basic movements and basic functions of the body of Christ. And, and the ways that we see the Spirit functioning is, is common and glorifying to Christ in all these. So let me just go over these quickly. I'm not going to re, rehearse everything once again. But gifts that bring the message are... Prophecy, uh, pastor, teaching, knowledge, uh, leadership, and intercession. I would say those six gifts are fundamental to starting a church. Uh, There has to be anointed utterance and and pastoring and teaching. And this is bringing the message into a community. And all of these are really, really important. Oftentimes today, people say, I'm going to start a church. I need a building. You don't need a building. I need a building, okay, and I need, a, I need a building and a speaker and a band, and then I'll have a church, and it's, it'll be our franchise out here. This happens a lot, and, and many times um, folks look back and they say, what we really needed at the beginning was some of this teaching. We needed, to, we needed fellowship. We needed to grow together and be knit together long before we needed a building and all of that stuff. Um, there are gifts that do the ministry of the church. This is kind of the inward, I would call it, body life of the church. Pastor, teaching, leading worship. This is now an interior thing. Uh, building the body of Christ. Uh, service uh, or ministry, exhortation, all of these. The, the, the healing and wisdom, these are internal things. Helping us make decisions, leadership, uh, giving. Uh, these uh, speaking in tongues uh, and, and also interpretation of tongues, those are more interior. They're not really the things that you, you put out on the corner. It may be, in, it's really a lot of that is in private uh, meditation, but then also in smaller groups. Um, hospitality, creating that warm environment helps and mercy and discerning of the, of the spirits and intercession. Uh, And then finally, the mission of the church is is the outreach. How are we reaching the world? And these are the gifts of apostle and missionary and evangelist, calling people uh, to repentance, miracles of healing and discerning of spirits, deliverance, uh, intercession, uh, gift of celibacy, uh, voluntary poverty, or perhaps martyrdom. All of these things impact this bigger reach out into uh, the world, the missionary reach. So what are we supposed to do with these gifts of the Spirit? Um, and a better question is, well, what do they want to do with us through us? Um, and we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that it is that you will know your gift, know your gifts. Exercise your gifts. God is a giver of gifts. He's not holding back. And so he has gifts for you. And sometimes it's a matter of looking around. And it's those moments when we're asked to do something we may be uncomfortable with. Well, would you teach in the Sunday school this fall? Oh, I don't think I could ever. No, no. you listen. Because actually, if you can't do it, God loves that. I want you to serve in the in the youth camp, the summer camp. I want you to be part of the summer camp staff. Oh, I don't think I could ever do that. I think I have too much on my plate. It's a really, really good time to say, well, God, what do you want to do with my time? What do you want to do with the giftings that you have in me? So there are three things I would say. Do not be ignorant. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. We need to learn these and study these and recognize them. And there's some that you may recognize, at least for right now, they're not in you. I told you last week, don't be afraid of anything here. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands. What a great passage of scripture. I've known people that I i knew i mean it was like word of knowledge in me i knew that they were a pastor but they had they had declined that calling in their heart for years and so you know we don't want to uh, squelch or to uh, quench the spirit we need to fan into flame this the gift that god is is manifesting in us and The third, I want to talk about this more next weekend, is to earnestly pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul wrote that. Um, Pursue love, that's the big thing. Don't miss that. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may speak with prophetic utterance. So I have a prayer. Is it okay for me to bring you a prayer? I'm your pastor. Yes. So I have a prayer that we're going to put up. It's not in your notes, um, but uh, we can get it to you later on. But I I would like to invite you to pray with me out um, out of this study. Let's pray. Dear Holy Spirit, I want to know more of you. I want your body to be strong and alive. I want to do my part. Teach me what I need to know. Fan into flame the gifts that you have placed in me. Give me a desire to seek out the gifts you have in mind for me in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for being such a giving God. And we are ready. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Next week, we'll talk about pursue and desire.